Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing our U2 Top 10s. This is going to be difficult for both of us. That's going to upset a lot of people. Friendly debate and discussion. Get out of town. Wow. It is a flipping album. It's almost enough to make my head explode. There is no other band in that category. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Review 2. Today, we'll be talking about our U2 top 10 songs, top 10 albums, and some other stuff that we'd like to see from U2 in an ideal world. It's taken us the best part of a year, but we've reviewed all the albums, some B-sides, some other weird stuff, which I'm sure none of us would rather talk about, uh, but also all the live stuff. Um, so, you know, where where has that brought us? What have we learnt? Has anything changed in the last year? Yeah, so this is our conclusion for now episode where we're going to be consolidating all the knowledge that we have discovered across this Review 2 journey. Uh, we're going to look at some questions that you've asked Sorry, us. Johnny, this musical journey. This musical journey. Um, so we're going to look at yeah, a few questions, a few top tens. Hopefully we'll cover everything that people have asked and we might have a little chat about our dream gigs and then maybe what the future holds for you two. Um, yeah, so it might be a bit ramshackle, certainly about as ramshackle as our very first episode but we did. if you've got this far, well then, done. yeah, clearly you've got far too much time on your hands, as have we. Yeah, so. and we'll do a few shout-outs at the end, so that's that's something to uh, keep people listening. Yeah. Um, first little bit of business, uh, Carol Hughes asked us on Facebook, and this relates back to last week for our 360 episode. Two weeks ago, Johnny. Uh, two weeks ago, my mind has gone to paste. Um, she said, Are you watching the same DVD as I am? Love the whole concert, even the few songs I am not a fan of. So, mm, what are your thoughts on that, Tyler? Um, I, I, you know, that, that's 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 fine and to be expected, I suppose. Everybody's going to have their favourites. Not everybody's going to agree with us about how we how we find them. Mm. But th- that is that's the case. In in 5 years time I might watch that DVD and go, you know what? No, I was wrong. This is a really really good show. Yeah. But right now I don't think that was a particularly good production from YouTube. I, I, for a start I don't think it was a particularly good show. Uh, and mm. I, also I think it was a very hard task for any camera crew or production crew to try and capture everything that was going on at 360. Yeah. So I found myself left wanting. But you know, I have yeah. I've watched it before and enjoyed it and and sang along. It's not as if it I think it's so bad that I'll never watch it. It's just that for us there are other YouTube DVDs and other YouTube shows that are that much better. Yeah, and I I think it did leave me wanting but because I think the show had loads of potential and could have had the theme running through it a lot more. And there were hints of that, but it never really came together as as well as it perhaps could have done. But having said that, you know, it, it's, it was so successful and so, it's such a crazy feat to pull off. It's it's amazing. So cheers, Carol, for getting in, in contact. Um, it's always good to hear dissenting opinions, to be honest. So our U2 top 10s. This will be a top 10 on the studio albums, okay? And we're obviously not going to include something like Red Rocks on there. 
as there are 13 albums, we thought it would seem a little bit silly to cut them off completely. So we'll just go through our bottom ones and thus indicate what we think are the worst U2 albums. So right at the bottom, at number 13, before we move into the official top 10, what do you have, Tyler? My worst U2 album. Yeah, what do you think at this current time... This is that this is a time for all the anoraks at home to sing along with me because I'm sure they know what my least favorite U2 album is by now. Drum roll, please. No line on the horizon. Hmm. Mine is rattle and hum. Interesting. And also because it's it's not really that is interesting because you do listen to rattle and hum quite a lot, don't you? I know, I know, and I I like it as an album certainly in. Comp- in comparison to other bands, I just I, I, I think I hate I hate Enloth mm. more than you hate Rattle and Home. Yeah, I don't yeah. hate yeah I don't hate any any U two album, but Rattle and Home has got some clunkers on it. It's half of one thing and half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Blab. Um, number twelve, we might have the same thing here. Uh, I find I find this really surprising. October. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought we seemed really positive about it we on our did. second episode. The, the October review is still one of my favourite reviews to go back and listen to. I still really strongly feel how I felt this time last year about October. I love October and I rediscovered it when we reviewed it. But yeah, there are just other albums that, that pip it to the post. And, and that's a shame. Yeah. October's a really, really good album. I love the early days of U2. Yeah. It's good to hear them flailing around a bit. And grasping for songs because we know how they they lost so many songs at this point. Bono lost lyrics. They didn't have that time to write new songs uh, as they did early on. Everyone knows your first album, you've got maybe three, four years of songs already. So October, it's interesting, but it's not that great of an album. Um, and this is in comparison. Let's stress that it, it was it was a good second, a good attempt at a second album, but they they got a lot better at doing what they do. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've I've they listened really to did. October a lot more in the last year than I have done in the last fifteen years. Mm. It also, I mean, it just it's actual the sound of the album is great. It's produced really well. Um, it's just there's not the songs there. Too much dissension in the band. Interesting, actually, for my bottom two, uh, Enloth and uh, on October, mm. both very, very difficult times in U two were that you know not everybody was on board with where they wanted to go. Yeah, so there is a connection there, pulling in different directions. Okay, number eleven then. At uh, number eleven, and I, I'm sorry, Johnny, but Unforgettable Fire. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's ridiculous, and and that's going to upset a lot of people. I know that there mm. are some really really good songs on Unforgettable Fire. Uh, the title track, of course, a sort of homecoming bad, but the for, for, for me, it, uh, it's too raw with its Eno influence. Fair enough. Wire, I, I even really love. Mm. Um, well, my number eleven is Enlove. I think there is half a great album in Enlove, and there is half an absolute terrible album in it um so there we go so that's our bottom three so those are the ones that we didn't think even squeaked into the top 10 still reeling from unforgettable fire being in your in your bottom ones um, it surprised me as well but i can't i can't forgive elvis presley in america and fourth of july well look i'm expecting friendly debate and discussion um you know on this topic so that's that's all good and i think it's a good time to stress as we move into this top 10 we love all these albums. 
we love you too, obviously. And this is our list that we've made, you know, based on how we're feeling now. Obviously, there's some things that stay in the same place, but yeah. this, li- this list shifts a lot. This list isn't... Um a list of, of most important U2 albums. It's not meant to be definitive either. No, this is a list of uh, albums that we just enjoy listening to. Yeah, so we can't be wrong on this, all right? Yeah. But please offer your opinions too. So, But co- just know that we can't be wrong. <laughs> not so, wrong, damn it! So, da, 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 da. Number 10, Tyler. Zeropa. Hmm. I've got All You Can't Leave Behind. Oh. My very first U2 album, the thing that my the gateway into U2, it's at number ten. That's that, that's interesting. Similar reasons to End Love for me. Um, there's a great album on here, but there's only about seven tracks that have. I think Zeropa. I think Zeropa is a great album, but I have to be in a particular mood to listen to it. Yeah, and I can't just pick and choose tracks to listen to. I have to listen to the whole thing. Hmm. Um. So, so it ha- Yeah, it just. In in terms of albums that I d- I listen to a lot, this is this has to come in at number ten. Okay, number nine. Rattle and hum. Right. Okay. Again, listen to it a lot. Yeah. But um, that yeah, there are there are some clunkers on the. Certainly are. Um... <laughs> but also Heartland, um, and, and God Part Two. So swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Your, what's your number nine? Uh, how to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Ooh. I group it really... I can never seem to pull it away from All You Can't Leave Behind, and I think I just I just about prefer it to All You Can't Leave Behind. I think it's slightly more consistent, but, but there's some rubbish songs on there, like One Step Closer, for example, which just don't pull me in. I have such fond memories of that album and playing GTA uh, San Andreas. That that was my soundtrack for San Andreas. I think that that's the thing. These are so personal as well. It's it's tied a lot to where you were when you discovered them. That was them. my first U2 album as a, as a fan. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. No. Uh, number eight. I'll I'll go first if you want. Yeah. Uh. Boy. Yeah, that's interesting. I was really struggling with Boy because at first I was thinking well, I don't listen to it very often at the moment. But apart from Shadows and Tall Trees, there's not a bad song on it, is there? You used to you used to not like Anne Cat Dub, but you like it now, don't you? Uh, it, because of Chicago. It was the transition into into the heart, mm. which on the record I think is really quite clunky and doesn't doesn't work that well. Mm. It worked. It did work well at, at Chicago. That that was true, but. Um, yeah, I just I just think they had they had a long way to go at that point. Yeah. Great starting point, great first album. The uh, energy's really good. That's one of the main things you can say about it. There's so much joy on that album. Yeah, yeah, but again, in terms of sitting down and listening to it, it's it's not top 5 material, so it's in at number 8 for me. What's yours? Uh, Songs of Innocence. Get out of town. I really like Songs of Innocence, but it's not had the time to to really bed in and like establish those deep roots. Look, Iris, Cedarwood, um, uh, this is where you can reach me now. Like incredible songs, and that's just if you know a few of them that spring to mind straight away. But it doesn't have those deep roots that um, other ones do. But look, I mean, it's it's supplanted all you can't leave behind, and that was the first U two album I ever got, and it's got you know Kite and 
loads of other stuff on it. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to say is the thing that really pipped All You Can't Leave Behind down was that I'm not including the ground beneath her feet on that because... I don't know, I know. It's not official, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So that's one other reason. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm gabbling on Songs of Innocence. And my number seven is Boy. Right. Uh, my number seven is How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Fair enough. So, th- there we go. <laughs> it's of, difficult if we've already sort of talked of, about There's this. a lot of albums that we haven't mentioned. We seem to be mentioning the same ones. We're up to number six. What mm-hmm. did you say? Uh, Joshua Tree. Wow. That's going to c- cause some... Uh... Some waves. Yeah. I understand it's the most famous album, possibly the most pivotal U2 album. Mm. But it's uh it's it's a good album, but there for my, the the type of music I'm into, there are other songs that I, I want to play. Case in point, since we saw them in Twickenham mm. uh, a couple of months back, you every time I've seen you with a guitar, you've been playing "Moves That Disappeared." Yeah, which I've never heard you play before. Yeah, um, but you you you've been playing that every time I've seen you. Which is interesting, but there's not really a song on the Joshua Tree that drives me towards a guitar. Okay, yeah. There are the thing is, you need a certain amount of effects to do most of them. I mean, yeah. you can't play in God's Country that easily without a delay pedal and a couple of other things, you know. And I know there are good, there are good rock songs on there, and With or Without You is a good singer's song. But and that's, I suppose that's what I look for a song an album I, I'm going to have fun singing along to a lot of different songs a song that you can sing in your own company yeah in fact um, Running to Stand Still is a really good song to sing as well but we're talking about whole albums here and yeah. you're stacking up against other ones so yeah. fair enough uh, my number six is Zuropa. Um it's higher than I was expecting and I think doing the review actually pushed it up a bit higher yeah. and learning about how involved Edge was and I think built into that decision of this being relatively high amongst other things lots of other things you know some quality songs fantastically interesting production is the fact that this was never meant to be you know it was something that was done as almost a side project and i think it it stands up against other albums it's fantastic and given that it was written on the fly perhaps because it was written on the fly uh that's a, not meant to be a pun. Um, it's... The image I have on my, in my head right now is strange. <laughs> so on to the top five. Uh, my top five pick, so number five, is Actung Baby. Okay. Um, do you, Anything you want to say about that, or should we keep our powder dry till later? Uh, I love a lot of songs on the like Acrobat and Ultraviolet, mm. but the... the in fact, the fly I'm slowly getting into. I very much like the Gavin Friday version of the fly that yeah. was uh, available for, for songs. Uh, well, uh, Innocence and Experience tour. Yeah. But other than that, the fly, even better than the real thing, and Mysterious Ways have always they've never really hit me hard. Yeah. Um, in in any particular soulful way, so they drag Act on Baby down. Fair enough. Um, War is my fifth one. Very consistent album. Um, not really a bad song on it at all. However, it, it while it has a real consistency, it doesn't have those... It doesn't have the real high points that the next four will have on it. So there's some albums that are coming up which have definitely have lower points. 
um, than War, but um, it just doesn't have the ambition, musically speaking, that these next ones do. But at okay. the time, it was fantastic, you know. So Okay. My number four is Pop, which I know you probably got higher, which is fine. We're going to have <laughs> disagreements about it. Um, I'm actually surprised Pop w- was this high. Why? It's Well, because it's great, but it's got some... I mean, look, famously unfinished. I don't have That's a problem with that. That's what's so good about it. Yeah, well, maybe so. It's got a real. Imagine that to album it. finished. It's almost enough to make my head explode. If it was finished, it wouldn't have my army on it at all. That one song drags that album down quite a lot. Mm, yeah. And I say quite a lot. It's at number four. It's beaten All You Can't Leave Behind, Songs of Innocence, you know. Well, my, my number four is All That You Can't Leave Behind. Um, Fair enough. I, I think that is such a good album. I, I don't think the quality really dips. You talked me down on this, and that really annoys me every time I listen to the All That You Can't Leave Behind I review. I didn't talk you, you down. Did. You talked you talk me down about All That You Can't Leave Behind, and I'm so annoyed at myself for letting <laughs> you do that. It is a flipping album. It's a great album. Meh. It it really, really is. Without, without the ground beneath her feet. An album that finishes on on Grace and has Wild Honey and Peace on Earth on it. I I really like Wild Honey. <laughs> Peace on Earth is yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's a bit, but yeah. Uh, number four for all that you can't leave behind. Okay, my number three, and this was really difficult. I think obviously it goes without saying this is going to be difficult for both of us to position these three, and they do move around a little bit sometimes. Um, my number three is The Unforgettable Fire. And I really expected it to be at number two. But the choices that were made about leaving certain songs off and keeping certain songs on, really, it means that this is such a mixed bag. There's such high quality on here. And then there's such... I think you've looked stuff. over quite a lot of that album to put it at such a high... Uh, you mean uh, overlooked certain tracks? or Yeah, you've overlooked certain tracks. Well... Like even something like Elvis Presley in America, which I've heard, I've thought about a bit more. It still sounds bad, and there's no excuse for that. But the experimentation of of just doing that, you know, of, of keeping it on there and not letting Bono mess with it and rejig it into a song, that is impressive in a in a weird kind of way. So yeah, Unforgettable Fire number three. So my number three is Songs of Innocence. And this may be a reaction to No Line on the Horizon because after No Line on the Horizon, I was terrified of the next U2 album. Yeah. Really didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know if the, if the U2, the, 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 you know, the ride that U2 had been on was over and this was it. Well, they've always said, or not always said, but Bono has said quite a lot that two bad albums and you're out and that's you, you're finished as a band. Yeah. And I think... That that End Love is a bad album. Songs of Innocence was better than it needed to be as well. It's such a good album. It's three years on now, yeah. um, and I'm still really very much into that album. Um, it's still finding new ways to you know like to dig deep into me and make me make me feel things. Mm. Um, I I absolutely love it, and I'm 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 as surprised as anybody else that a, a a band like you two can bring out an album like that so far into the career. Yeah. Uh, it It's a shame it was released the way it was. 
I think it's good the way it was released. I, I like, I'm a fan of it, but I wish people had been allowed to discover it a more organic way than mm. having it forced upon them. I do blame people more than I blame the release method there. So, like, the situation was annoying, but I think people could have been more mature about it. Yeah. Um, I actually think Songs of Innocence, because I agree with everything you, you, you say there, it is better than it needed to be. I think Songs of Innocence will climb higher in my list as time goes on, once it's able to, you know, maybe when I'm looking back on this time, um, 10 years from now. The other thing is that I think I can't fully judge that album until its sister, its brother, its other half album comes out. And because they will be so intricately linked, if they... If if, if, if in nothing else but title. But I think thematically, I think we've already seen like, you know, Bono singing in um, Little Things That Give You Away. He's talking about, you know, All My Innocence Has Died and stuff. I think they will be a, t- a proper twin album. The little excerpts that, that we have seen from that, uh, you know, the, the best thing which is about to be released, apparently. Or it might be The Blackout. Yeah, one I'm, of those I'm, two. I'm confused. I, I thought it was the best thing that was going to be released I'm first. but happily intrigued and i don't care whichever one it is yeah you know. little things that give you away which has just got better and better every time i listen to it uh and I really hope they don't mess up the studio version that'd be know, so embarrassing the little thing in the in xxx the kendrick lamar song mm. see the sounds that i'm hearing are all very different so i am interested in what this album's going to actually sound like one warning sign Apparently, one of the songs that's going to be released is called, uh, or is on the album, is called "Summer of Love," which uh, it's like Flower Child. It's like, come on, lads, think of better titles. Let's listen to the track before you know we review it. Fine, so. fine, fair enough. Um, what are we up to now? We're on to number two, and my number two is "War." Now, this is no surprise to me. It's one of the first U two albums I got into. Uh, I still really, really love it. There isn't a bad song on the. Uh, you get a really fun, youthful energy on the. It is the culmination of the first three albums. It's it's that's the point they were building towards. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as you're saying that, what I was thinking is, you get Rattling Hum, for example, where you. It's the last point before a massive reinvention and a change mm. in sound. War, similar thing. Yeah. But with Rattling Hum, there's a petering out and. Uh, just a horrible weariness that you see creeping in. War is a triumphant, we've done this and perfected it, and now we're ready to make another leap. War may be the best U2 album of all time. As it's at my number five, I can't agree with that. No, no, but I... (laughs) I'll say it's possibly the most consistent. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's so good. Um, So yeah, War is number two. What's your number two? My number two is the mighty Joshua Tree. I think just for pure... Scape and sorry, scope the landscape that's created by that album. Hearing it live did make me like it and make me feel things that I remembered when I first got into it. And it's also, you know, incredibly consistent, really. I can't think of a there's not a song that I dislike on there, really. Yeah, it's just it's very it's very difficult. Now I'm thinking maybe it should be The Unforgettable Fire, but then I remembered Elvis Presley in America. So, um, yeah. right, so. I think it's not going to come as a surprise to any long-time listeners which is our favourite U2 album each. So, do you want to go first? Mine is Pop. 
and mine is Acton Baby. <laughs> so I don't really know what, what what we can say. It feels but, like there should be a trumpet or something. But there you go. Like um, I I think all the way through this, we have kind of navigated more towards the '90s stuff. Rather than we we feel a little bit more comfortable with that. We feel like we understand that a little bit more than than other eras. Yeah. I'm I'm really really fond of the first three albums, but we do always seem to pull towards the '90s, and I think it's just because we grew up in that time. It's a world that we we recognise, and mm. and and so so I think that's that's the reasoning behind it. I don't expect anybody to to agree with my list. I yeah I I don't really care if people agree or or not with with my list. It'd be interesting to see what people think. I'm sure there's people who've got it in completely the opposite order. Um, yeah. And that's that's great, and that's fun. And also, these lists are really fluid; they will change. Um, I can't see another album taking over Acton Baby. It's it's been my favorite for a good many years now, but who knows? Who knows what will happen? Maybe in ten years' time, Rattle and Hum will be top of the list. Yeah, can't see it happening. But you know, um, that's the that's the beauty of you two. They uh, the songs sometimes take a few years to set in. Yeah, and really make an impact upon you. So the list could be very different you know, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. And I am looking forward to uh, one, one day when I haven't thought about Review 2 for about 10 years, just to look back, go through all these episodes and think, oh my God, I thought that about that song. I thought that about that album. I really disagree with that now. Looking back over this whole this sort of year-long journey that we've been on, um, are there any of these albums that you think... I'm very surprised that went so far up or down in in this list because I can say now I'm very surprised that all you can't leave behind is at is at number ten for me. Um, I remember when we yeah. were sitting down to do Boy, and I was so enthused about Boy. I just thought this is a really good album that I haven't listened to for a long, long time, mm. uh, and I remember just thinking. You know, this this is a really strong U2 album. This is, you know, top one or two material. And then when as I went through that, I, I realised that th- there was an excitement about listening to, the, you know, the new stuff and seeing how they developed. So I'm surprised that Boy ended up at number eight mm. because I remember that strong feeling. But I felt like that when we were listening to October. There's always been something that I've been able to grab onto and go, Don't, that that's really, really good. Yeah. And even if... The other thing I say is, even if we maybe have not liked some of these or put them in a lower position, we've we've enjoyed every album. I want to reiterate yet again. Sometimes when we've been going through the live stuff, I've been more interested in those those early things. So live at the Marquee Club, so interesting to listen to. Arguably more in- interesting to listen to than stuff that we've you know done to death. And when they get into a really um, kind of a, a routine you know we know that, okay this is where they're going to do pride and we're going to get a political section not knowing what they're going to play next is has been fascinating so some of these even though we've got them lower down on the album list they've got a really special place live mm. so shall we move on to our top 10 songs then yeah um i don't know how you've done this uh but i uh, basically went through all the the albums and the singles and not I didn't listen to each and every one of them. Yeah. But I just picked out the ones that I I know that from this journey I've really enjoyed. Well, do you know so, what might be what might be useful then actually? Um, this is one of our one of our listeners asked us this question. Um, so he's called Steve. He is living in Japan. He's originally from England. Um, 
and he basically was asking us a few different questions, which I think over the course of, of this we'll cover eventually. So one of his questions was um, our favourite album. So obviously we've, we've covered that. He said he's asked us our favourite single and our favourite album track not on a single. So I guess we're going to be covering all that in, in due course over this. Possibly. Um, Seems like we will be doing. Favourite favorite favorite track not on an album did he say um sorry favorite single not on an album favorite single wait let me have a, a double check just so we make sure we get this right favorite album track that isn't a single so sorry that's just me being an idiot so basically favorite deep cut oh oh which yeah. will definitely come up on this top 10 list so yeah yeah okay grand so um, should so we start at number 10 well i had uh for mine i think i got it down to about 23 songs um, so I'm just going to run through a few of the contenders that didn't make the top 10. Okay. But obviously songs that I... So the also runs then. Gloria, October, Two Hearts Beaters, One, Bad, Unforgettable Fire, Where the Streets Have No Name, With or Without You, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, Acrobat, um, Last Night on Earth, Please, Walk On, Miracle Drug, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own, Crumbs From Your Table, and Iris. So they're the ones that didn't make the top ten cut. Yeah, and it's, it's songs a, that I do think a lot about. I I love all those songs and think that they're very high tier material. Some of those um, I'm pretty sure have made it into my top ten. Um, I just did my top ten and it was how I was feeling today. Really, some of these have been ones that I I can't see ever coming out of my top ten. But I just tried to think about how I feel about it today. So I've just got ten. So should we begin at number ten? Yeah. Zoo Station. Interesting. Is that... Hmm, I guess I shouldn't be asking if it's in your top ten or not. Um, it's not. Okay, fine. Well, interesting. <laughs> it's, it's something I hadn't considered. It's a good song. I, th- I think the reason why I think it had to be in here is because I remember really distinctly the very first time I heard that song when I just bought the album and I was listening to it on the buzz back from, from Wigan and I remember just being so disturbed by it in a way all the weird sounds and bono's voice sort of coming out and me off this bus (laughs) um it was it was a such an interesting experience and you don't get that with some u2 songs some u2 songs are just fantastic but they're kind of expected and great like beautiful day you know it's uplifting it's classic u2 there's nothing there really to think about in a oh that's a bit weird kind of way so yeah, Zoo Station. And because it's a juncture point, because you step off from Rattling Hum and you arrive at this station platform, fantastic. Yeah, great. Um, my number 10 is Original of the Species. That was a contender for me. I was thinking about it. Do you know what kept it out? The fact that I'm not sure I'm 100% on Bono going, do that, do that, do that, do that. I love that. I love that. I like it, but is it. I've always had so much fun doing that bit. It's a little bit weird, that bit. But maybe, you know... Sure, come on! Show your soul! It's great. Do, um, the, next, do the next bit. Um, keeping your love under control. Do you want me to... Uh, no, I was joking. Normally you of, don't want me to sing it. No, because of how difficult that next bit is as well. Like, I was just thinking, like, that's... I think if you're in good voices, and clearly I am today, uh, mm. then you can do it. Syrupy. Um, right, so my number nine is Like a Song. Oh, inter- very good. Very good. My mine is from the same album. Okay, well, really briefly, like a song, 
just listen to that guitar, listen it's to so the drums. Good. Come on! There's so much passion in Bono's voice as well. That's what I mean. It's uh, it's it's really good. Like, I I first listened to that song when I was about thirteen or fourteen, mm. and it, I still get that really empowered feeling when I listen to it's it. It's got punk energy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, New Year's Day never heard a bad version of it yet. It's mm. a, a staple of the live set, and just just one of the best U2 songs of all time. If, Underrated, I would I would even say. Yeah, I didn't even think about that for, for this. And if we were doing what have been the standout moments overall from you know our review to uh, the latest season, the live season, yeah, I totally agree. Live, it's it stands out massively. If if in some kind of afterworld there were you know definitive polls of what is the best thing. It, the be- of you two. If someone told me that this is the best U2 song of all time, I really couldn't quibble with that. Uh, I, I hold it in such high regard, and again, it's something that I've discovered over the past year. Mm. Obviously, knew about New Year's Day, but never realised just how vitally important it was uh, yep. as a, as a staple U2 song. Number eight, Mofo. Do you know what Mofo was? In and out of of my selection choice, I just I just didn't know where to place it, and and eventually cast it aside. I think the things that the the things that make it uh, get into the top ten for me are, you two don't ever really do anything else that sounds like this. They go hundred yeah. percent, and it sounds it pays off. It's really experimental, and but not just that. It's got all that vulnerability, and it's it's like a danced up weird cousin to I Will Follow and Iris if about we, that relationship with his mother. If we could have had live versions, then obviously I would have put that yeah. in. But um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't put uh, put that in. I, I, I put, think we've covered um, we've covered overall, you know, in the live season, what we think are the best entrances and entrances. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so I went with Electrical Storm for my number eight. Ooh. The, possibly the song that got me into them Mm. wasn't the first U2 song that I listened to and went, oh, I'm going to go and buy a U2 album. That was stuck in a moment. But uh, Electrical Storm was one of the first songs that I discovered because I'd bought an album and thought, yes, this is great. This is absolutely fantastic. Not what I bought the album for, but so glad that I bought it so I could discover that. Yeah. I have a weird relationship with Electrical Storm because it is so good. And the fact that it's in such close proximity to All You Can't Leave Behind seems to fit with it. You know, it's almost like they they had that lying around and they could have put it on there, kicked off weaker songs on that album, maybe Peace on Earth. Oh, it, it, so it's it's difficult, that one. But I love it. I also love the remixes um, that came with those singles. So that it's, yeah. it's a great song. Number seven. I wonder if we're going to get any matching ones. I don't think we it's will. It's doubtful. But it'd be, it'd be funny if we do. Um, so number seven, what have you got? Iris. I I, I think I, I wanted to put that in my top ten, but Mofo kind of pushed it out and yeah. because it sort of covers the same subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, much like I said about Songs of Innocence, it's a song that is so good, I wouldn't imagine a band would bring out so late in the career. Yeah. It And it's, it's an absolute... Crack alive as well. Yeah, um, they, it's, it's just so good, and um, I think particularly for, for I'm, I'm you know, I'm not not trying to ex- exclude anyone here, but I think uh, for boys, they tend to 
favor the mother in you know in the parental relationships i i think that is you know there's a, a connection though with a mother and a son um i don't know and and well, in my own experience anyway this song rings true to my own hmm. um you know love and experiences and you know emotion that i feel for, for my mother so so i it really hits home and re- hits hard for for me that song yeah i think to have a song that hits this hard emotionally that late on in the career is so impressive yeah um my number seven was heartland amazing that a song off my least favorite album has got in here um i just looked at my top 10 and i don't think there's one from pop (laughs) which is interesting but the thing is we i think we could rewrite this and apart from maybe three yeah we could make our like i could have new year's day or iris in here it was a tough list to write yeah i tried to do it quickly actually so i didn't think about it too much um heartland gets in on this uh because it it stands out so well on um on rattling hum from a lot of other songs um and it's it's beautiful the band is on point everyone sounds great adam's moody bass edge's guitar is so good in this so sparse if you listen to a band doing a good cover version of this you just hear them stretching to get that um stratocaster sound and the little what three or four notes at the start and you're instantly in that world of Heartland, and then it opens up, and oh, such a good song. I I, I agree. Um, number six, is that your number six? That's my number seven. That's your number seven. Okay, so your number six is. Um, my number six is Rejoice. Now that might come from left field, I suppose. Um, and I'm, I don't think I did it justice how much I like this song when we did the October review. Um, it is good, isn't it? It's really good, and similar to like a song. It's got that energy. It's got a drum solo from Larry, which we don't really get to hear very often. Religious anthem. Yeah, and I think this is. I mean, I'm very happy to hear that kind of that kind of energy put on record, really, and that kind of commitment. I don't share that that faith, but it's fantastically interesting to hear something like that channeled into rock music, a field where, you, I mean, you can write about anything if you make it sound this good. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't think Edge has got many better riffs in the early days than he has on on Rejoice when he's still using that relatively simple Explorer plugged into some delay and reverb sounds. So, Mm. you know, it's great. What what have you got for number six? Every Breaking Wave. Yeah, I wonder when this has come up. I thought it would be in your top ten for you. Um, Uh, And you said they'd not written, what was it, not a a better song in 25 years in terms of like a pop song or something like that? Um, I don't know if it was that long I, I think it's the best maybe 10 years single since possibly with or without you something like that in that vein of a kind of romantic song or yeah and I, I think i think this song uh stands up with those classic ballads like one i think that on i think on the podcast i said it was it was the best one they'd written since one yeah um as a as a single that is um you know, emotional and poppy, and I, I, I just think it's so good. And Bono is, Bono is, is not the singer he was thirty years ago. I don't think that can be denied. No, but he uses his current voice to absolutely the best of his ability on um, every breaking wave. It, it, it's great. As soon as I heard it, I wanted to start learning it on guitar. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I picked up a. 
I picked up my acoustic guitar, I picked up my bass. I wanted to explore this song every way I can. And three years on, when I listen to it, there's still so much that I'm, I'm new depth that I'm finding. New. I, I assumed at the time that it was about Ali, and then I heard things that made me think it was about Ali. Then I heard things that made me think maybe it's not about Ali. Maybe it's about other things. Uh, but really, regardless of what it's about, it's a beautiful song that really gets your mind ticking over, mm. and th- that is what you two are so good at doing. And they really did it well with every breaking wave. They created such a great song. I think it's the song that when you listen to um, when you listen to songs of innocence for the first few times, you keep coming back to that as like, well, I know this is a great album because it's got this this absolute classic song in a classic structure. You know, it is the wither without you of songs of innocence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's if you if you want me to liken it to the Joshua Tree, maybe you're more familiar with the '80s stuff and not not really that you know the the later stuff that. Uh, the Miracle of Joy Ramon is Streets. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, they come onto stage with that. Yeah, gets fair the enough. crowd going. Okay. I, I think I I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, but every breaking wave is the wither without you of that album. That's how important it is to that album. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's got a similar kind of it's got a similar kind of power in it. Yeah. I think. Um, okay, so number five. Uh, what's five. Your, what's your number five? Uh, like a song. Oh, well, great, good. So, anything to add to my burble from before? Um, no, I think I think I, j- I joined in. It was a song that when I, when I was first getting into U two, when I was about thirteen, I would come back to that. It really uh, filled me with passion, and it, it made me feel empowered. Um, made me feel like I, I could do anything I wanted to do. Hmm. So that that's why I it's my that. it's my number five pick. My number five is a sort of homecoming. This is a song that has, and I'm sorry if I'm just repeating a lot of things I've already said on the podcast. <laughs> it's annoying because simultaneously I feel that there's always more to say on these podcasts and I say the same thing all the time. Um, so A Sort of Homecoming is some of the best poetry that you 2 and I guess Bono has ever written. It's produced so well and it marks that that change from war so well. And I think listening to the version that they did recently live has really sold me on this song again i wish we'd got it live to be honest um so yeah it's it's fantastic and it's the sort of song that i kind of wish they'd get back to writing really but maybe they can't anymore maybe they're just not in that place anymore and, and that's fine it makes it special it, it is special it's a great song um yeah there's, there's very little else i can add to that uh, so i'll move on to my number four five. Oh. Oh, I've done my number five. I'll move on to my number four. So I was, I was kind of right. Um, sorry. Again, a song that you've mentioned already, Heartland. Mm. One of the most beautiful songs ever written. Yep. Not just by you two. Unfortunately, on Rattle and Hum. Um, so <laughs> my, uh, my number four is Lemon. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, this is This is the song that Iris is getting a lot of mentions th- tonight, then, isn't she? Really? Yeah, she is really. I may- maybe that's just where we locate um, so much genuine emotion in, in U two, perhaps. Um, Lemon is such a weird song. I disliked it. I think actively the first times I heard it as a as a really young teenager, and who couldn't cope with that falsetto and that um, what is it? The fat lady singing that he calls it something. Or whatever the hell Bono calls yeah, yeah. it, um, 
and I think people do want to run a mile from it, but when you get into it and listen to the keyboards and the and the synthesizer, it's so good. Yeah, I got a little embarrassed about this song in college because uh, there were uh, two guys who I'm still fr- friends with, Tom Jones and Tom Hewitt, who have been in many, many bands around Wigan. Uh, currently, um, the Stetsons, uh, Electric. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the band they are both in. And Tom has his own band, which is uh, the quaintest show on earth. Yeah. So check that out on SoundCloud. Yeah, both uh, both very very good. Um, but they would they did take the uh, careful the mick yep. out of me for for Lemon, uh, and it came at a time where I hadn't really been listening to a lot of you two again because of Enlove, mm. and um, I thought, well, I can't really defend Lemon, but that always stuck with me, and now. Lemon's a really, really good song. Yeah, uh, it's one, and again, it's like you said with Mofo, very interesting sound, not really repeated. No. It's them having a lot of fun, but still engaging with very serious issues and very heartfelt emotional problems in life. And I think the similar to a sort of homecoming, the poetry of that song. Look at the read through the lyrics to yeah. Lemon. I've just got it going around in my head now. Like I feel like I'm slowly, slowly, slowly going under. Yeah, and and it's that's when so with the music good. is it, it it takes you to a weird place, and that I think there needed to be a weird song in here. And Lemon, I never get sick of it. Also, the remixes are so good. Um, the some of the, the <laughs> best remixes. I think that's the song I'm going to have to go and listen to after we've finished recording. <laughs> um, that was our number four. So we're it? getting into the top, top three, three territory. Do you have a guess for what my number three is? I reckon I could get the top three, but maybe in a maybe hmm, maybe not. But I, right, I, I, you, I'll probably think, get the order what wrong. What do you think my number three is? I think your number three is the Unforgettable Fire. No, it doesn't appear on this list. Oh, you mentioned three. it before, didn't you? Okay, fine. Sorry, I'm talking rubbish. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, my number three, then I'll put you out of your misery. Is kite? No. Um. Love comes, comes tumbling. Damn it! I was going to say that stupid idiot. Uh, it's funny how you say it just after I'd said it. I yeah, I, it was on the tip of my tongue. Mm. Yeah, love comes tumbling. I go back to that record, and I do go back to the record, not the CD, not the MP3. I go back to the, the record of Wide Awake in America so okay. much, just so I can listen to this song. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely beautiful. Yep. Uh, so underrated. I, re- I would think rather unknown, as well. Um, but just a just a great song, just showing that you two are fantastic songwriters. I think Bono talks um, about Bono talks about the fact that songs are a bit more like like smells in a way. So it's something that you can't just describe in a really mechanical fashion. And certain songs have a real atmosphere to them. Lemons like that, and Love Comes Tumbling does have a real atmosphere. I'm sort of annoyed I haven't put it in my top. 10 but you can't really do anything about that similarly the three sunrises i considered to put in this just because i, I love that song so much um but yeah love comes tumbling you can't argue with um the sound and, and the bass line adam having a really prominent bass hook yeah. which he's a fantastic bassist but he's often working in ways that it is effective without you even noticing it but that is so good can i guess your number three yeah go on mysterious ways <laughs> no, I like Mysterious Ways, but it's a it's a party song, right? Okay. Um, which it didn't make it. I didn't know which 10. way you would have gone. I thought you would have gone with the more you know, the songs that you want to play 
on guitar most. Well, I do like playing this song a lot on guitar. Um, I will follow. No. Hmm. Um, and it might ruffle your feathers to hear that at number three, I have ultraviolet brackets light my way. Interested to know which two beat it, but yeah, um, this has been my favorite U two song at, at various points, and it is fantastic. There's just two other ones which I mean, if this is a ninety eight percent, the other two are ninety nine and a hundred respectively. So it's really splitting hers. Mm. Um, I think we'll talk about Ultraviolet later on, probably. Um, unless <laughs> what, I've got something wrong. What, what makes you think that? Um, mm. Number two. Uh, would you like to guess my number two? I'm 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 really turned around now about about what what things that you might put in here. I I think everybody at home knows my top two tracks. Why do people at home know more than Not, I do? <laughs> and and the people listening on the bus definitely know my top two tracks. <laughs> Um, I feel like I'm being really thick here. Um, I know what I know what your number one is, obviously. Why do I feel like you we're... really are going to kick yourself? Okay, uh, kite. The groan beneath her feet. Oh yeah, yeah, that was penned stupid. by Salman Rushdie. Um, I have such a fond memory of falling in love with a particular girl, and. Um, this song just being on constant repeat in my head and I just wanted to sing it all the time um, that love has now come and gone <laughs> and uh, as they do but I still have a really fond memory of that of this song you know that even even you know breakups and stuff like that doesn't affect how good this song is for me yeah so and songs aren't always to be meaningful and to make it into like you know the top one and two they can be tied to things that are emotional and not just oh I was really happy all the time or yeah. that was really simple. But I don't look I don't look back at that time when I was when you know and, and this this song and being so prominent I don't look back at that and go oh I hate that now. Yeah. Cuz I just it's just too beautiful of a song and I'm just I'm glad it had such an important impact on me at, you know at that time in my life. So I I can't I I I'd love it. It's, it's so good. Yeah, it it really is amazing. I'm looking back down my top ten and thinking, are there songs that are not as good as, as The Ground Beneath Her Feet? Um, it's also produced so well. Mm. Why is it not on All You Can't Leave Behind? It really annoys me that there's not a proper good live version, live of, it, version with of it. With everything yeah. thrown at it, not just... Because there are some nice versions. Yeah. But it need. I mean... When are we going to get to hear that? Do, 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 do. Oh, so annoying. I mean, everyone at home was... <laughs> I don't know what song that was, but that's fine. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right, so my, we're on to my second favourite. Yes. Um, do you want to guess? Um, again, what was your, what was your, your last one, your number four? So, my number three Sorry, number was three. Ultraviolet. <sighs> God, um... This is a recent thing that has, has sort Have of jumped up. Have you said Unforgettable Fire so far? Nope. Unforgettable Fire? No, no. Mm. Uh, number two is Acrobat for me. Wow. I absolutely love yeah. Acrobat. I, it's such a serious song. In it's terms it's of, two in the shadow. Of Ultraviolet. Of Ultraviolet, Ultraviolet for, for me. Well, the thing is, this is what takes Acton Baby up to the top spot for me. It's that last bit... Because they've, they've they've done all the fun, they've done all the party, and then you've got such heavy hitting songs. The best songs are saved to last, and yeah. 
again, look through the lyrics to Acrobat. Bono is dealing with massive subjects here and creating lyrics that are so enduring. Um, so obviously we've got all the whole stuff about, you know, not being ground down, fine. But when he's talking about, I'd join the movement if there was one I could believe in. I'd break bread and wine if there was a church I could receive in. That hits me personally so hard because there's bits on here where Bono is dealing with faith and religion and he's not just dealing with it in an October way and saying, yay, isn't, you know, isn't faith great? Why don't you join in? Let's be joyful. All that kind of thing. There's so much doubt built into this. He's saying he has all this passion in his heart. He has all this love to give and enthusiasm. He just can't find the right channel to put it down. Man, I love you too. There's not there's not been a, a, a bad song, I don't think, that we've mentioned yet. No, no. And then <laughs> you combine it with this, I think it's a 6-8 drum beat, um, something that they don't really do. Larry's drums sound so hard and passionate on this. Bring in Edge, bring in Adam, and you've got a recipe for a fantastic song. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I love Acrobat. And come on, play it live, lads. Let's... Let's stop messing around. Uh, let's do uh, let's do Actung Baby in 2021. <laughs> uh, I don't agree with that. Although it would mean that I get to see this live. D- d- what Zoo TV? How old is Bono going to be? If they did a 60, uh, sorry, a 60 month, a six month uh, version mm. of Zoo TV, like they did with the Joshua Tree. I just I think they've passed that time. I, I've also been thinking how, how good it would be if they did say. Well, 14 nights in somewhere like Carnegie Hall in in New York. Mm. Um, first night, boy. Second night, October. And just go through. Yeah. You don't, don't have to do it consecutive nights. Just maybe over the course of three weeks. Yeah. And, and go through and play each album live. I don't think they'll do that, but I'd be very interested to see any band do that. I mean, the I think the problem is that the... The amount of knowledge you'd have to keep in your head to play yeah. them all. So difficult. And Edge has forgotten how to play some songs. He literally forgot how to play When I Look at the World. One of my favourite songs, but he can't play it. We saw, we saw that version, which was early on the Elevation tour. and Didn't we? We watched that last week. I thought you never played it live. What song? Oh, Wild Honey we watched. Yeah. Where Edge had completely forgotten how to play it and Bono seemingly didn't know what song it was. Yeah, well, I think that's just what happens in this. In if I'd have been in, in that audience, I'd have jumped up on stage, kicked that man off, and like sang the song for them. <laughs> if you like, bring you with it, with you, and with me, I can do the, the the full song. If if you hold up the chords on your phone screen, I mean, it won't look good, but you <laughs> probably just about do it. Um, so, da 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 da, our number ones. I mean, the thing is, this is kind of an anticlimax because everyone knows what our favourite ones are. Oh, is is it yours? Um, Unforgettable fire. Yeah, yeah, mine's ultraviolet light. Um, like my way so <laughs> yeah um, and we've kind of really gushed about those before yeah all I'll say is there is no song that I've heard that takes me to the same place that Unforgettable Fire does that might change I don't see it happening but there have been times when Ultraviolet your favourite has been my favourite song and it works in a similar way you yeah know? Um, Ultraviolet just if it weren't already my favourite song then Twickenham would have made it my favourite song I'm not going to talk about that feeling more than I already have. Yeah, because people can go back to the... Uh, but I... Yeah. Wow. Just just wow. It's 
it's not even close. I, all those songs that I mentioned, even the other contenders, like are really, really great songs that I know can't wait to go and listen to when we finish recording. But Ultraviolet is so far ahead of everything else that mm. it's a little bit silly. Do you think they'll ever get back to a a high point like that? Um, I think it was very much a product of the time. Mm. I think they can do very good stuff without it being like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think they could do an ultraviolet now. It they, it yeah. had to be all about ripping up the U two rule book. Yeah. Uh, that's what made it so fresh and so exciting. And I think similarly to acrobat you can tell that they're just struggling to find something to hold on to really there's a lot of desperation in the songs on yeah. tongue baby there's a lot of fear they they obviously think these are good songs but they don't know if everybody else will and this and, and again acting baby it was an album that they brought out at a time where they could have just you know rode that rock country kind of thing they could have done that for the rest they of the career still be doing it now yeah and made a lot of money Imagine if Bono was walking around in a Stetson hat singing about, you know, Western things right now. How <laughs> crazy would that be? Um, so that was our our top ten. Uh, we did get sent one top ten on Facebook, <laughs> uh, which was one of my friends, uh, Tom Durant. And my friend. Well, yeah, he's more my friend, though. Okay, he fine. prefers me more. He told me not to tell you. Okay, fine. Uh, but his top ten was... Uh, one to nine was hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me, and then number ten was numb. Which I'm taking as a joke, but he does like hold me, thrill me, doesn't he? He likes Batman stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. And we're speaking on Tom's behalf here, but it's kind of his fault for sending us that uh, that joke top ten. But um, all I'll say is I do like hold me, thrill me a lot, but it didn't make it near the top ten for me. Yeah. Before we go into the Twitter questions... Um... Johnny has designed a ideal U2 set list, haven't you? Yeah, well, this was the... the... I haven't done this because, basically, I couldn't. I couldn't even decide which song to start with. Yeah. So, I, I struggled. What I have done is I have designed um, my ideal U2 stage. Okay, well, do you want me to have a look at it first, So, then? I'm going to just show you now... <laughs> Okay, I, I guess we might tweet a picture of this. Um, yeah. Or pay, maybe this could even be the album cover for this um, this episode of Review 2. Well, I'll tweet that, but I'll also try and do a, a proper graphic of it. Okay, well, I'll try to paint um, with my words an image I of I can't this. talk you through it, if you like. Well, the, at the front, there's a big Bakewell tart <laughs> um, in the shape of a heart. There's uh, And then the rest of it's Pop Mart <laughs> with... The, with um, the ultraviolet microphone. I mean, do you want to? If is there anything that I've missed from the uh, right? Well, it's the uh, the seven point six, seven point two k screen from the Joshua Tree. I'm not going to be splitting hers about exactly right. what k it is. Um, the, the the lovely uh, Joshua Tree screen that we saw this year uh, behind the Pop Mart arch, mm. uh, which uh, at. And then underneath that is the heart-shaped ellipse from Elevation. You also have the lemon and the olive. And somewhere I want the Trabant, but I can't figure out where the Trabant would be going. The car park? I thought maybe the the, the U2 could come onto stage in the Trabant. But One then, inch? That was an idea, but I do want them to make the, the Potmart entrance onto the heart. Yeah. And then two go one way. 
and two go the other. It would be amazing to have a gig start and you basically have you two beeping at the back going like beep beep in the Travant <laughs> and, the, and it's actually quite annoying for the crowd to have to move a little bit. Yeah, literally move out the way. And then they drive on the stage and get out and like, all right. So, so yeah, it's basically Potmart, but I've got the the um, the the steering wheel microphone from 360 and the invisible video. I mean, that's quite a cool idea, and it would be nice to see how they're sort I, of going I back to the I also had an stuff. idea of putting the heart at an angle at one side of the stage. Hmm. So, I'll, I'll I'll do some designs and put it on. I mean, I think it's sort of a mess, um, but a sort of loving mess. Is the claw not gonna be in there at all? No. <laughs> It didn't make it didn't make an impression on me. One thing I think you should have in there um, is something from the earlier stuff, like you know the U 2s early sign, the black and white one from the Dandelion Market, or just something to nod back to the old, mm. the really old days. Maybe you just have a kind of try and get if you two could organise the sky to be red, that would be great. And I'm sure if any band can do it, it's them. Um, and they've got to be wearing the gear that they were wearing for. Um... Oh dear. For Under a Blue Red Sky. Well, Larry would look good. I don't think the rest of them would. Uh, Bono in tights these days? Leggings? No, no I don't mm. think you can pull them off. Interesting. Uh, so what was your U2 set list? Okay, so this is this is kind of answering... Um, I mean, people did ask, you know, what are our favourite things? What are our least favourite things? That kind of thing. So um, this is responding directly to uh, Steve's question. And Steve said, what would your dream set list um, from the discography be up to now? Um, I guess a limit on the number of songs roughly according to the average length shows. So I've done... I'd say 23, 20, 23 to 25 songs. I've not got that far, to be honest. Oh, um, that's fine. Including uh, The Order and The Encore. So we'll let them throw some songs in. Well, I've got quite a few. I mean, I this is what I would want to happen, basically. How many have you got? I've got about 18 songs here. Um, there might be some quibbling about what constitutes a song or a snippet. So <laughs> this I've not thought this through, so just bear with me, okay? Are we calling this show Review 2 Snippet Mania? No, because no. there's not that many snippets. Okay. Let's call it Johnny's Mad Gig that he's thought of and that wouldn't work. Why is your name in it and not mine? Because I've come up with it. I've designed the, the stage. All right, fine. Review. Well, you're, right, well, then you're partly responsible for this set list and how bad it is. Okay. Okay. And how it probably doesn't flow. I just want to be a part of something. <laughs> so this is what I've, in my own head, designed as if I could put it all together. What stage did you imagine? I didn't really I didn't really think about it um because it's such a hodgepodge. I guess that works then with yours because yours is sort of a mix up or a mash up. Um so let's go with your stage. The only thing that I thought about that I would really want to happen is and this is a very unexpected unknown caller, right? Okay. I actually really like the start of unknown caller and by start I mean the very start. So is that dun 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 dun? No, dun. not even that bit. Really? So there's about thirty seconds at the start of Unknown Caller, which before any guitar comes in, really, and you might have to listen to it to remember it, listeners at home. But basically, it's a bit where they're saying sunshine, sunshine, you know that kind of bit, yeah. Yeah. And there's a little flickers and little bits of Fez influence noise, right? And that's before any of the drums. I think it's before any of the drums come in. Anyway, I want something like that to to come in. So so I as a concert goer I'm thinking, 
oh no, they're going to play Unknown Caller. Even though I really like the bit where they say Sunshine, because I think it's really beautifully produced. But what then bleeds in would be the opening swell of Three Sunrises. The mm, spirit of the rising sun. I'm sorry for the singing, right? I apologise in advance. And then they go into a raucous version of Three Sunrises. Okay? <laughs> Which I don't think they've played live before. Might be wrong about that. Apologies. Last episode. Don't really care. Um, so, yeah. Three Sunrises to kick things off. I'd love that. I think Can it... we speed this up a bit? Alright, shut up. Okay, fine. Next. Keep the energy up. Like a song. Okay. Okay. So we've got we've we've don't, got don't them. explain every single one. I'm not doing every one. You've okay. been David Brent. Fine, fine, right. All right. I'd say more Alan Partridge, but anyway, Zeropa. Okay. Into a properly worked out version of Do You Feel Loved. Okay. Then again, we're keeping the energy up. Volcano. <laughs> uh yeah. Right. Um, and a and a a better <laughs> version than they did on Jules Holland. I like that version, but they could have. I want more. Yeah. Um. Then Drowning Man. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's going to slow things down a bit, bringing the energy back up for this next kind of section with Hold Me, Thrill Me into Fez Being Born. <laughs> You're thinking this is a terrible idea for a Please for a continue. Right. Okay, so we've had some quite high energy stuff here. Chilling it down a Just bit. Just get on with it. Right. Chilling it down a bit. Get on with it. With Love Comes Tumbling. Oh, very good. Into Walk to the Water and Heartland. So, Yay. yeah, nice. Uh, nice downbeat section. Bringing up the... Um, tempo. Not the tempo, really, but... Mood. Yes, with Kite. And I think that's purely born out of the fact that we talked about it a lot on the Elevation Review, and I really love that song. Um, rejoice. Enough said. Um, Larry gets... Hopefully he's still in enough... In good enough shape to do the really cool uh, drum stuff. Then when I look at the world, into ground beneath her feet, mm. and at the end of that, when they're doing the my oh my bits, that's the outro. I think that would make an amazing transition. Into I don't. Where the streets have none. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's one step ahead of me. Very good. Um, that might not work for the key at all, but I've not checked. Probably doesn't. So that's the that's the main set. They come on for the encore. Um, and I'm going to take a little bit of time to, to, to do this bit, okay? So, very, very dark set, okay? You don't even know if the band have returned on stage or not, okay? And li little flickers of light all around the stage. Um, little snippets of, of um, Joe Strummer and um, bits of footage from The Clash and bits like that. And then guess what they come back out to? Uh, the Miracle of Jory Ramon. <laughs> sounded like you just thumped me. <laughs> the Miracle of Jory Ramon? No, but... You're sort of thinking on the right lines. Uh, this is where you can reach me now. Oh. Because as far as I know, they didn't play that at all on... Uh, no, I don't think they did either. Yeah, so and I think a lot of people really wanted it. So And I think it'd be a great encore, you know, because it's all about playing music. Um, then into uh, Ultraviolet, Acrobat, and finish with uh, The Unforgettable Fire. 
Okay, I would throw 40 in. I don't think a E2 gig finishes properly without 40. Happy, Yeah, happy for that to be the case. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to stick 40 That's on the end of that. That's an interesting gig. There are, there are good points and bad points. Uh, your average your average kind of um, take-it-or-leave-it U2 fan who thinks, oh, I'd like to see U2, would hate that gig. I completely understand that. So don't, don't but say... But we want people buying... The, we want less people buying the tickets. Because we just want it to be easy to go and watch them, really, don't we? Yeah, and and look, if they play this, we should have done. We should have spent this whole podcast trying to put people off you two. Well, we probably have. <laughs> to be honest, I hope hopefully people have found it entertaining. Let's. That's a good show. Um, some of it really fits in with my design. Um, but by the way, if by the time this episode goes out, I haven't made a graphic and put it out, send me a message and remind me because I, I will. That's something I'll actually really like to do so just make make sure i do that for you um oh i wanted promenade in there somewhere at one point as well well you can't have everything <laughs> yeah let's let's move on to the twitter questions yeah well i mean that might be a good way of finishing off with the the third and final question um i know we've made this very um very steve uh, centric but he's asked questions that many people have um so he's asked what do you think about the band's future after Songs of Experience? Do they go on forever? Do they call it a day? Do they stop touring? So um, my quick answer to that would be, I think if they do finish after Songs of Experience, if it's a good album, it would be bittersweet, but I would respect that decision. However, I don't think they will do that. And my rule of thumb is, so long as they're making quality music that they care about, and don't just become a Rolling Stones-style heritage act, and, you know, much respect to the Stones, but they are a heritage act, like a lot of other bands. Um, I don't want them to stop until they they feel like they're not making quality music. I think once they uh, once the deal with Live Nation runs out, then I think they'll be allowed a lot more time to actually do stuff their own way. Which is is a you know two edged sword because you two like to take a long time to do things and they're slowing down and have been slowing down for twenty five years now. But let um let's just say once the the deal with Live Nation is is over, they don't re-sign with with Live Nation. They you know they're more independent. Then I I think I would just I'd like to have you two music when they feel it's ready rather than being forced into doing tours or doing albums and stuff like that, which which maybe they need, but they are getting older, and I would much rather rather them do a, a more of a Johnny Cash kind of thing, grow old um, gracefully like Johnny Cash did. Well, I was, yeah, on that point, I don't want them to stop playing because of physical things, so um, I don't want them to feel like, oh, they have to look like the rock stars they've always looked like, but also that doesn't mean that they have to... Um, they they can basically do this gracefully. If yeah. it turns out that they, they come out and they're sitting down or they're doing something a lot less energy as they get older, but they're still making interesting quality music and Bono's voice isn't up to what it used to be, as you've said with Johnny Cash, that's fine. Just don't come out though. I don't what I don't want them to do is spend the next um ten or whatever years it is just coming out and doing the the boring hits yeah the same old thing but yeah. doing them in a way that makes me sad that they're not the band they used to be if any you know even if after songs of uh 
the songs of experience, they they do want to call it a day and they do want to just ride off into the sunset. I have no problem with them doing that. No, it'd be bittersweet. Yeah, I, I, but all great stories, you know, do come to an end. When I read Lord of the Rings, you know, and 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 uh, or you know, any great book. When I read Harry Potter, any, anything you're into, uh, and I'm sure the same will happen with Game of Thrones. It will be a bittersweet ending. You're glad that your heroes have, you know, that the, the stories have come to an end and the troubles are an end. But you you, you do wish there was a little bit more. You know, to read, it's always quite sad with a good book that mm. that page you get the end. That's all. That's that's never a nice feeling. No, it should never. It shouldn't be a nice feeling anyway. But yeah, if they want to, if they want to pack in and ride off into the sunset, they've given us so many great albums and so many great songs and so many great memories uh, that I I think nobody could criticize them for doing that. I think they're in a kind of class on their own though as well. That this isn't just the band and they actually kind of like doing other stuff a lot more i think they do recognize how important things like family and for bono his activism is but i this isn't just a job to them i think you two is their life really yeah so yeah i think it will be it'll rock be... and roll is a young man's game though they've said that yeah but yeah no i agree but um well wait, do i agree i think acting in a certain rock and roll rock and roll way is a young man's game but Sounding like John from Ross, then. Uh, it's terrible. Lock and well. I've been awful on this podcast with my addiction, so apologies to everyone. But um, if they're still making interesting music, I'll listen to it as long as they're ready to to make it. Um, I just don't want them to. I don't want them to be doing um, a hits based show when they're clearly past it. You yeah. know, if they come on the stage, we don't want a heritage act. No, that's yeah. what we don't want. Um, what I would be interested to hear, if, say, they do call it a day, is I think Edge has got a lot more stuff to give in a solo capacity. Um, and I'm not trying to do down the other members there, because I think Bono would do some really interesting stuff and probably do some interesting collaborations then again. And uh, no doubt Adam would set the world alight. Yeah. What? So now I'm just trying to think of what Adam Let's would... do some more questions. Uh, well, okay, fine. So... Um, Joel Jackson got in touch and said, I once saw an advert describing the script as the best Irish band since you two. <laughs> right. Part one. Is in your opinion, is that accurate? So that's part one to the question. I think I know one script song, and I'm not even sure if it's them. Yeah. They've never made a lasting impression on me, and I don't think they're that great of a band. Do you know the song How to Save a Life? I don't I don't think that's them, is it? We're doing some research on this, so yeah. So Phil Tyler, while I check on Google, um, yeah. I mean, uh, it's did he say specifically Irish bands? Yes. You see, that's that's tricky because uh, uh, although <laughs> that's the fray, that's the fray, right? Are they Irish? Uh, let's have a look. Um, you see, I don't think it comes down. They're, to... They're an American band. All right. I, don't I think, think they came out at the same time. I don't think it comes down to nationality. I think it comes down to having four guys who understand understand each other and can spend 40 years in each other's company. So these days, maybe not. I d maybe you can't have another band like you two because you, it's 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 much more difficult to, I think, have you know these lasting relationships, especially when you realise 
okay, I'm a name now. I can go off and do what I want to do. Mm. I think, you know, I don't, although you two are very good businessmen and have treated you two as a business, I don't think that's been at the heart of what they do ever. No, I don't think it is either. They've, they've, they've been able to play the game, but also, you know, they've had the cake and eaten it too. I think they made some, well, and McGuinness particularly made some very smart decisions early on, and that decision to split it four ways was a very good decision. Who who could, uh, but uh, taking the Irish thing out, who could be the next U two? Well, this is well, this is kind of the second point of of Joel's question. I don't I don't think he was um, he was too wedded to um, the nationality question here, but he's saying if not, who are the heirs to Bono et al? So I think Joel's question is basically okay. You two are possibly the last big rock band, particularly guitar-based rock. So who is the heir to that throne anymore? I think the heir apparent in some people's eyes would be Coldplay. I don't agree with that. The only three that I could think of, and I might be wrong, commercially speaking, in that kind of area of music, would be The Killers, Coldplay, and maybe Muse. But they are, to be honest, if that's the future, then... It's not going to be... The future needs a big kiss. Um, Arcade <laughs> Fire, I would name. Yeah, they could They could be do it. They could do it. But they, they could do with uh, spending a little bit more time in the studio and, and getting albums out a little bit more regularly than and they, they do right now. The Killers are very good, but the Killers like to have a lot of time off in between albums. I also just personally think that the Killers... Um, they can write big songs. They've got that big appeal. They can play stadiums really well. But to me, the depth isn't there on the songwriting. Um, I've never been moved by a killer song in the same way that I have been about a song. I think Stadium Acts over the past fifteen years have they've been in short supply. Well, do you, what I think is, the, the, do you know what Catfish and the Bottle Man? Um, the first album was very good. I didn't get into the second album that much, but I know a lot of people that do like that second album. Uh, they have been tipped as the next big Stadium Act from the UK. Whether they do that, I I don't know. It's a little bit too early, but they, they can certainly write some good songs, and they have a very good live presence. Yeah, uh, but it's difficult to to pick those out. I think I think there are like serious music critics who would struggle to say who are the next big act going to be. Well, I mean, the only one I can think of like critically in the vein of I mean, kind of in the vein of 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 rock would be Radiohead, um, and you know as who who can actually fulfill this big rock band um status and have that legacy of very strong albums i would consider them and arcade fire i guess are sort of coming up a few years you know a few maybe a decade after that but i think the the fundamental shift is that we don't now these days in popular culture necessarily want there to be just four guys with guitars on stage we don't necessarily want the stones and the beatles anymore music has changed fundamentally and i think we're looking in the wrong places if we're looking um for bands like you two to do that i thinking for better or for worse um it's it's more acts like solo acts really like ed sheeran uh beyonce kanye west katie perry gaga gaga um now are they, in my opinion, as as good as you two? No, because you two are my favourite band. But I, I do think Lady Gaga's very good. 
but that's I guess. But, too... but yeah, but she's she's very different to you two. It's it's just it's my personal opinion. I don't like those acts as much as you two. But in terms of what everyone else likes and where rock music seems to be going and pop music seems to be going, it's really got. It seems to have very little to do with four blokes with guitars. Who knows? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the next you two. Maybe you're sat there listening to this and you are going to be the next you two. That's interesting. Personally, I'd like it to be me and Johnny. I would really, really <laughs> like it if it was us. But whoever it is, I just hope you get there soon and you you, you know you do it well and you, you know you stay true to yourselves and your friends like you two have always done. Uh, one of the th- one of the things that I really have always loved about you two, and this cannot be understated, is that they are four friends that have never, apart from Dick Evans who left in the early days, <laughs> I wonder why they called him Dick. Um, apart from that, he uh, like th- you can see the connection between them on the albums. You can hear it in the music. You can see it on stage, uh, and that is such a beautiful thing because once you've dived into a band as deeply as we have, and I'm sure you have as well, you can really see that, and it really means something. So you, it feels like you're going watching your friends play when you go and watch you two. It feels like your friends have got a new album out yeah, when, when you. You care when they, about those relationships, them. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that is other than writing good songs with heart. It's that connection to the band that is important. You can't just be, you know, ex- exchanging members here and there. It's about how you interact with each other. Yeah. Um, my question based on that would be then, if Bono, f- heaven forfend, uh, something happened to him, like he died, and he couldn't, obviously you two couldn't carry on then. I think the same is true of The Edge. Yeah, no, it's over. It, it, is it the it, same for both of for both Adam and Larry? Yes, of course. Okay, and that's a question that I ask not because I have a low opinion of Adam and Larry at all, just because a lot of people have asked me that question, and I also think it couldn't no, carry done. on. It's done. Yeah, it couldn't carry on. It's not you two. It's them four. Yeah, and that's to do with relationships, and it's to do with I just got your joke. And that's <laughs> <laughs> to do with relationships, and it's to do with playing styles and things like that. So yeah, I, I don't think you could you could do it really. It, um, it wouldn't be the same. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that if you're looking for some new music that's maybe a little bit similar to you two, and I'm not saying these bands are soundalikes in any way, but maybe in a in a similar kind of vein, the the bands that Tyler and I really like. Um, beyond the obvious ones that always get mentioned, like The Killers and Coldplay, which I think is sometimes a bit lazy. It's just simply they have a bit of delay on the guitars. Um, uh, <laughs> Ronnie re- Venucci Jr. from The, Kill- from the Killers uh, is very inspired by Larry Mullen, and you do often get that very yeah. Larry military beat. So and, I, can, I can see it that way. And the guitarist is, as well often does do Edge-style riffs. And Brandon Flowers is a very good singer. Might yeah. actually be a better singer than Bono. Uh, maybe technically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so really quickly, um, Mew, a band that me and Tyler absolutely love, M-E-W, uh, from Denmark. Uh, they write big, ambitious songs with huge amounts of heart, melodies to die for, um, and the whole production is often drenched in reverb, and they they really... they they For a go-to album, go to the glass-handed kites. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they try for those big-scale songs that I think you two have done previously in you know various places. Um the Jezebels from Australia. Um, very good, very young, still got a lot to learn. Yeah. I um, think the live act could could do with a little bit more investment. They could do with a good live DVD, I think, rather than just the kind of 
the bits and bobs that you get on on yeah. YouTube and stuff. Um, but I would check out the song "Time to Dance" if you're looking for something. Particularly if you're into the Edge's way of playing, then there are similarities there, and they're a fantastic band. Other than that, looking back in time, I've really got into Tears for Fears recently, and I think <laughs> I think people who like you two would like Tears for Fears. And don't just go off what you've heard um, on the singles. Listen to the whole album songs from the Big Chair or one of the other albums. Probably stay earlier days rather than later. Um, although Elemental's very good. So yeah, um, and Brian Eno, uh, if you want something to chill out to, listen to music for airports or Reflection. Um, any other bands that you can think of, Tyler, that you think like. Because I'm always looking for new music, so I'd be interested to hear some recommendations as well. Um, but... There are none that are screaming out at me right now. I guess In Excess is the one that you always say I should listen to that are similar yeah. to you too. But that's more 80s and, yeah. and 90s stuff, right yeah. Right up until you know Hutch passed away. So um, I'm sure I'm sure there are some, but I don't know if you if you have some uh, some bands, that, then get in touch. Let us know. Dr. Mark Yates got in touch on Twitter and asked the question, and this might be a little bit divisive, who, i.e. out of me and Tyler, is the biggest U2 fan? So, gloves off, Tyler. Who do you think is the biggest U2 fan? Or should we interrogate the question? Um, well, it's trying to tear us apart, isn't it? But um, mm. I think quite possibly you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Um I'm very interested in them. I will say And I I on. like to collect the bits. That's what I was going to say. I think you're um a better fan in some respects that you have dedicated I, I, more of your time and invested I'm, I'm in them more. I'm a stupid fan because <laughs> they can just charge whatever they want and I go, yeah, that seems reasonable. I mean, I'm not staying up late at night worrying that I don't have that Joshua Tree backpack. Because <laughs> how much was that? <laughs> uh, the, I, it was a good deal actually. Um, the, the total package I think cost me about one hundred and thirty for the seven uh, LP set of the thirty fan edition of the Joshua Tree. Well, sounds like a good deal. And, a good deal more than it should have been. Uh, and uh, the Joshua Tree backpack, um, <laughs> which I'm glad I have. It's padded. It, it'll look after the the the, the box set. Fair enough. And it's not made for just day-to-day hiking. No. So I think overall, we can't really pick who's the bigger U2 fan, really. Um, I mean, how how do you really measure it? Because, yeah, we could measure it in terms of how much money we've spent on stuff, but that doesn't I, really I, work, Would you describe it? yourself as obsessed with them? Because I think I am obsessed with them. Well, we spent a year doing this podcast for yeah. no reason, um, financially and all that other kind of thing. Um, I think... I place you two in a category of their own in terms of rock music. So I like rock music most out of all other musics and um, they're my favourite band. And it's not just they're in a category which include other ones. There is no other band in that category mm. at all. There's no point where I get bored talking about them. <laughs> no. And, and I do like going on discogs and, and things like that and trying you know trying to get the little bits that I, you know that I haven't got. Mm. Just to, I just like having them. And normally, when I get them, they just sit on the shelf and mm. don't really do much. But you can only listen to one record at a time. But I, th- I think fandom manifests in different ways. So some people will be uber dedicated to a forum. They'll go on it every day. They'll write about something. Yeah. 
someone else might have a bit more money so they go out and find the rarest U2 thing that they can find. Someone else might um, go to every single tour that they could go to or someone might go to Dublin and revisit Cedarwood and all the different you know landmarks in U2's history. Yeah, I did that one. I didn't do Cedarwood, but I, I did all the ones around Dublin city centre. Yeah, and, and I've still not done that yet. And I, I think there's no there's no manual for being a fan and for caring about something and really loving a particular thing or, or band. So I, it's very difficult to say what, what makes someone a, a bigger fan or not. Yeah, you got me into them, so... But, there you go. But I mean, that's the thing is that's, I mean, you can't help the fact that you are literally younger. I mean, that's just time and space. <laughs> so I, I discovered them in 2000 with All You Can't Leave Behind. And because I started being closer friends with you around about that point, I passed it on and I was a massive nerd about you too. So it was probably going to happen. If you if there was if there was fertile soil, you were going to like you too, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I I think it's it's close, but I would I would probably give it to you. Okay, well I I I that's, yeah. that's very nice, but I don't accept it. So. Well, well, fair enough. Um, and I think the only other if I have if we have left them off, then we'll we'll, we'll do them at some point. But uh, I think it's only fitting to um, add to the debate. George McCauley asked us uh, why you two refer to "I Will Follow" as the first single. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've referred to other songs as their first single the first EP was three which had Out of Control Stories for Boys Boy Girl and Boy Girl on now they've they, I've heard them refer to three as the first single and those songs but why they refer to I Will Follow as the first single I don't really know because it, it wasn't well three is an EP technically so it's yeah. ten minutes so that might discount it from being a single but then another day was the first single mm. and then you have 11 o'clock TikTok. it's um it, it's not good i don't know i don't know why they say it wait, wait following three the band released the singles another day 11 o'clock TikTok, and a day without me before that i think you two are very happy to be flexible with their own mythology the revisionist with the history I well <laughs> maybe maybe that's a stronger word but i think Bono will. If Bono can tell a good story, you know he's never let facts get in the way of a good story. Basically, you know. <laughs> so I think that's that's useful for when you know when the, if you're trying to get Slaying Castle pumped up about out of control, you say this is our first single. We hope you like it. You know that kind yeah. of thing. It's that's what he's going to do to get everyone pumped, because it's just going to be me and you about going on actually uh, three in nineteen. In our Monty Python characters. Yeah, exactly. Why does he always say this is his first single? <laughs> Everybody knows it was another day. Thanks, Terry. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, Dottery old idiot. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we just we just don't need to worry about it too much. Um, no, uh, I, I don't. We don't have the answer, George. It's just um, it's Bono being Bono. So sorry, we couldn't really help on that one. Yeah, what a shocker that we don't have the answer. Um, I guess I'd like to say thanks to people for putting up with um, how incorrect we've been at various points. Yeah. We've never really claimed to be experts. Never really let facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> or a good podcast. Yeah. Or even a mediocre one. Um, I'm sorry if we've said anything that's made you cringe, particularly if you're if you're you know someone who knows a bit more about the band and everything. 
Sorry yeah. for bringing shame to the family name, Mum and Dad. <laughs> So is it time, Tyler, to do a few uh, mentions and shout-outs to loyal fans over over the um, absolutely over the year? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we just mentioned him, George McCauley. He's been with us right from the beginning. He yep. was one of the first people to get in touch, um, and you know he's always been in our top listeners when we when we check the analytics for the for the shows. And when we met him at uh, Twickenham... He was, was lovely, yeah. Yeah, and so obliging. Um, and he opened the just, show for us that day. Yeah, and because then we just stuck a mobile phone in his face and was like, can we record you, that kind of thing. So so cheers, George. Um, Paul Alley, thanks a lot for getting in touch with all the stuff about the 90s. So many incredible pictures of the band from that point. I, I love that period of you 2 so much, so to get an insight with someone who was actually there was fantastic. Yeah, David Levy on Facebook. Yeah, he gave us a really great review of, of Croke Park. Um and gave us some suggestions for listening. So thanks, thanks, David Levy. Also on Facebook, Mark Watson. So Mark sent us a really nice heartfelt uh, message where he said, this was on the day of the gig, he said, enjoy the show today, guys. I'm going tomorrow with my wife and can honestly say that the main reason I made the effort and bought the tickets is your podcast. So I think that's, that's honestly, that's We don't get commission for that, do we? Uh, no, we do not. Can we send that to principal management and uh, say, hey, guys... <laughs> They're not they're not principal anymore, are they? I think it's all done by Live Nation. Well, there we go. Um, I don't think we're going to get anything back from them, but you know. Yeah. Uh, Michael McKillway. Yep. Which I still am unable to say properly. I think, I think, I think. you got it right there. Okay. Um, uh, more Twitter people. Um, Bernard Van Alpheus. I, I might be getting that wrong Practice as well. that one, have you, Johnny? No. Um, apologies if I'm getting anyone's anyone's name wrong. Um, you two then and now. Yeah, and that's uh, Neil Cleary, um, who uh, who, said, who mentioned his name. He goes by you two then and now on Twitter. Really good person to follow. Uh, thank you to thanks to everyone on Twitter. Uh, Dina Dietrich, was she uh, she you brought the the book off her. Yeah, um, the the book, and I can't remember the name. On the road with you too. There we go. Uh, very good book. Uh, get it from Amazon. It's just it's really interesting. Just uh, this this whole podcast has been about two fans talking about their experiences with you two, mm. and Dina goes into a, a lot of detail. So well worth uh, the the purchase of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, anyone on Twitter who's retweeted or just helped us share the message, that's that's great. If you come into this later on, then and you're listening now, then thanks for listening. Um, thanks to you two start for putting up with us. Um, and allowing us to spread the news about the podcast, I understand that any fa- uh, forum would be quite worried about someone saying, hey, we've got something, we want to tell people about it, because you might think, mm, this sounds like someone trying to sell something, and that's exactly what a fan site's not for. Um, but Remy, um, the moderator, the admin, the head honcho over at, reviews, uh, at U2 Start, was really nice for letting us um, tell people about the podcast. So um, thanks to everyone who's... who's um, got in touch with us on the um on youtube start it's such a lovely community i log in pretty much every day even if i don't read something uh, sorry if i don't write something i read stuff and i really enjoy engaging with people on there yeah i mean to the the you the online crowd for the of you two fans thank you for accepting us and not ripping us to shreds every time we got something wrong we are just two you two fans who love talking about that too and um you've made it a lot more pleasant than it could have been yeah 
thanks to Vinny for co-hosting with us as well. Yeah. I don't imagine he'll get this far in the podcast if he even bothers listening to it. Um, do you know what? Do you know what? I was telling, I was saying this to people last night. I had uh, two old school friends. I've known these two people all my life, uh, and I happened to talk about start talking about the podcast. And I went, "Oh, well, he's still doing that." And it's like my friends who I've known all my life haven't listened to it, and yet we have people in New Zealand, in Japan, <laughs> in Japan, in Mexico, mm. all over the United States, all over Europe listening to this podcast and my own friends won't even bother <laughs> and Vinny is actually on the podcast he's a co-presenter and sort of and doesn't listen to it yeah so. um, speaking of which I've just got the um, the SoundCloud stats up here right so today we're on the 26th of August 2017 and I've just opened up the stats and I've gone on the the top cities right so I've opened that up and it tells us who's been listening and where they've been listening from so I'm not going to read them all because that would take forever but this is just a selection of some of the places. I've just opened this now. Okay. So Greensboro or Greenborough, um, Greensboro, Australia, Portland, Oregon, Montreal, Canada, Kiel, Germany, Pilar, Argentina, London, United Kingdom, Kashiwari, Japan, Vermilion, OH, I guess that's Ohio, uh, Dublin, Ireland. It's quite nice. Maybe the boys are listening. Maybe so. Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Jakarta, Indonesia, Strasbourg, VA. What's, what's VA in America? Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Okay, and Sao Paulo, Brazil. So that's just a couple of the places um, where people are listening. And the reason we're reading this out is not to blow blow our own trumpet, but to say thank you very much to all those people. Yeah. Uh, I don't really. We've not really spent any money on advertising. No. So how it's got over the, we don't know. I can only thank uh, the Twitterverse and uh, Facebook. Yeah, and some of the groups um, that we we posted on 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 Facebook, they were very nice, letting us. Um, letting us just say hey this is here if you want it we really never wanted to annoy the youtube community that would be the, the worst thing really and we we didn't really think anyone would listen at the start of this process we thought it might just be well-wishing friends um and yeah. you know kind of annoyed friends to be elderly honest. relatives yeah this hasn't made me sick of you two either which is very no, strange I'm, I'm more than willing to have a break and we are going to have a break now mm. um right up until the album comes out so that I'm aware there's going to be singles coming out, but we're probably just going to do one big mammoth size return episode in December. Yeah, and if anything does come out, see it as a as a bonus rather than expectation. So it's going yeah. to go a little bit quiet on the review two camp for now. Uh, but we, you know, we we will be back. Uh, the the idea was always to do from innocence to experience, and we're here. You know, we're 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 waiting for experience now. Um, thank you very much for coming on this musical journey with us. Thank you very much for your patience. Thank you very much for listening to every uh, episode, even the Spider-Man episode, uh, which which could have been a, a rough listen for, for some people. Thank you for putting up with bad audio quality some weeks. Mm. Um, and just thank you very much for giving us something to do. Um, mm. I think when we started this, both myself and Johnny were unemployed. Um, I was between jobs. I wasn't unemployed. You, you were unemployed. Between jobs. <laughs> You're unemployed. I was on sabbatical. So, uh, yeah, thanks for just just being absolutely fantastic and supporting us. We we will never be able to tell you how much we appreciate that. And thank you, Tyler, for sharing this journey with me. Yeah, cheers. Um, it's it's just, it's been great. It's been it's been absolutely great. Um, but we will be back December with uh songs of experience mm. and so until then from review two 
Thank you, and we'll see you then. See you later. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 2 you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you. I'm the bigger U2 fan, but shh. Wait, what was that?